Hello, brothers and sisters from the Port of Spain Church of Christ, my church family there in Trinidad and Tobago. I am so happy to be connecting with you this morning like this. Uh, you know, Trinidad is a special place to me. Um, as you know, my wife is Sherry is Trinidadian. And we've been married for 22 years. And when we got married, we got married in Trinidad. Um, we brought some friends up from Jamaica, some friends from Guyana too, and we connected with our family and friends there in Trinidad, um, like Gary and Kersha Arthur. I remember on that day, uh, Brenda Butler sang beautifully at our wedding. It was certainly um, a special occasion, a wonderful day. It really um, was a great memory for us. Uh, my firstborn, my daughter Jasmine, is Trinidadian. And, you know, she loves everything Trinidad. We haven't been there, you know, since about five, five years since we've left. Um, but she still talks about um, wanting doubles and roti and bus up shut. And she wants her red mango and she's missing jira and, you know, bacon shot from Maracas. Uh, can't wait, you know, to get back there for her to enjoy some of um, the delicacies of Trinidad. Uh, you know, we spent six years as a family living there and have developed special memories, strengthened special friendships. And so, you know, I'm just happy to connect with you this morning. You are a special part of my journey. And, you know, I love you guys. And uh, thank you for inviting us in um, to share this time with you. Uh, I know that you've been looking at a series on Jesus and that, I'm sure, has been exciting. And today, you're continuing that series looking at Jesus, the friend. Um, I pray that together we'll be inspired by God's word, that we'll be encouraged, and that um, we'll be mutually inspired as we worship our God together. So thank you, and um, welcome to our, our worship service. As we worship God together this morning, I pray that there will be a sense of uh, unity, as we connect with Jesus, uh, as we share in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and there will be a oneness of spirit as we uh, glorify our God in um, songs, in prayer, in focusing on his word, and in encouraging, um, encouragement to each other. For the church here in Jamaica, we have been embracing the theme, intentional love, as our catchphrase for the year 2021. It has certainly helped us to keep our focus on doing everything deliberately with love at the center. And this feels good for our collective souls. Food for the soul, if you will. This is good not just in our Jamaican context, but whether you are in Trinidad and Tobago or further regions of the Caribbean or any part in this world, wherever you are, wherever people exist, love and proper, sincere relationship is a need of the hour. Now, if you're looking for an example to follow, what better model than our Lord Jesus Christ? You know, he sets the bar of what it means to show love, and of what it means to be a friend. So as we look at Luke chapter 5, there's a lot that we will learn from our Lord's example. So I'd like to entitle our sermon today, What a Friend We Have 
in Jesus. Let's look over into Luke chapter 5, reading from verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him, uh, hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So here Jesus was in one of the towns surrounding the Sea of Galilee. Also called the Sea of Tiberias and the Lake of Genazaret. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. He grew up in Nazareth in Galilee, but made Capernaum in Galilee the center of his ministry. Capernaum was about 20 miles north of um, Nazareth and was the largest of the towns surrounding the Sea of Galilee. However, here in this passage, Jesus was spending time in one of the other towns that was there in the area. And while he was there, a man who had leprosy came up to him, laid prostrate with his face on the ground and begged Jesus to heal him. Now it seems that this man was in an advanced stage in this disease, um, of this disease. For the scripture says that he was covered with leprosy. Now, leprosy was a debilitating um, skin disease that um, attacks your nerve endings and destroys them. And it was as if, you know, your, your joints and so on would, would be rotting away even while you were alive. Lepers often unknowingly cause damage to their fingers or toes or noses because they would lose a sense of feeling um, and sensation in those um, extremities and you know it would be easy for them to uh, uh, for instance jam their finger against something or, or or stomp their toe and not even realizing the damage that was done or being done with making that kind of contact because of how highly contagious leprosy was the normal practice was to um, ostracized the people, you know, sent them out of the community and they had to go and live in, in leper colonies where um, other lepers were living. And they were isolated from the rest of the populace. And, um, you know, periodically they had to show themselves to the local priest, I think the first seven days, and then after that, you know, return again to, for the priest to determine whether or not they, the, the disease was in remission or if it was spreading. And um, the, the priests had to declare whenever they were considered clean and ready to rejoin society, 
or if they needed to continue to stay away from everybody else. Now, for whatever reason they had to come, in come into town, uh, there would always be a town crier who would go ahead of them, ringing a bell and shouting, unclean, unclean, unclean. So as to warn the crowd and everybody else in close proximity to, um, to be aware, to stay far, because a leper was around and to be avoided. What a tough life to live. What a difficult challenge for anybody to be going through. And so this is what this leper was dealing with. What this man would have been used to is being avoided by people. He would have been used to having little or no communication with people. Or maybe even scorned or being treated with disdain. But here was an opportunity to set that straight and to turn that around. And he had the faith to believe that Jesus had the power to heal him. But what he wasn't sure of was how willing Jesus would be. So as he reached out to Jesus, as he cried out, Jesus not only expressed his willingness, but showed incredible compassion to this man for he reached out and touched the man and connected with him emotionally you know when I think about this I think about my own personal hang-ups you know there are times when for instance um, you know beggars might come up to my car and you know they're asking for help and um, you know I have every intention to to give them some money to help but if they come up to the car and they're looking a little dirty, I'm very circumspect in, in how I'm going to interact with them. So, you know, I'm careful that my hand doesn't touch their hand. I want to kind of drop the money in their hand so that I don't touch, touch them. And maybe, you know, because I don't want them to be talking up in my face, my window might not be all the way down. Um, because, you know... I, I don't know where their hands have been. I don't know, you know, what they've done with it, why it's so dirty, or their clothes. And so I don't want to, to come in contact. Now, after I give them that money, I'd quickly go and sanitize, right? Because I want to make sure. Now, some measure of that um, it, um, it is involved with wisdom. You know, wisdom is involved, and that's important. But when I look at Jesus' example, I see... A different approach here from our Lord. He could have acted clinically with this man, right? He could have waved his hand at a distance and, you know, say the word and perform the miracle and then send the man on his way. But instead, Jesus added the personal touch and attention and made the man feel valued and cared about. You know, it is wonderful to see our Lord while he walked on the earth the kind of interaction he had with, with, with mankind and how he treated them with respect and value and how um, he cared for what people were going through. While I was preparing this sermon, I received a call from a brother, a brother who I knew had recently lost a family member and I knew was hurting from, from, from this death in his family. And he reached out because 
They were having difficulty getting an, an officiating minister to, to be at the funeral and to officiate over the burial. And he reached out and asked me for, for help. Now, we're in a pandemic, right? And we're dealing with COVID-19. And reports have shown that um, at funerals, this COVID-19 disease has been ferocious, vicious, if you will. And the spread of this disease has been rampant at funerals and burials. And I have, you know, first-hand experience of going to funerals and see what takes place there. When people are going through this, this distress and they're suffering um, the separation of lo losing their loved ones, um, they're not thinking about protocols and social distancing and wearing, and wearing enough masks and so on. They want to express, they want to mourn, they want to wail, they want to cry out and they want to sing songs and they want to be comforted and, you know, there is close quarters and people are, are extending um, physical touch and so on. And so it is easy for a contagious virus like COVID-19 to spread. And so when this brother asked me this, I thought about it. And to be honest, I did not want to go to this funeral for fear of my own security and my own health. But when I thought about the fact that this brother is in need, that he's hurting and he simply wants to be able to, to come to closure with his the death of his loved one and to send them off in a dignified manner and to have a funeral service that will be conducted properly. And he reached out to me and I thought, I gotta support this brother. That I have to put aside my own fears and concerns and be concerned about his well-being and his family. And so I've agreed to help. That's because of the example that my Lord has set for me. And I believe he caused me to be able to show compassion those who are in need. You know, there are times that we allow our own fears and biases to cause us to pull back from persons, to want to keep them at arm's length, at a safe distance, where we don't have to be involved, and we can keep our own selves safe. But look at our Lord's example here. Rather than running away, he embraced. He reached out and made a difference. He got involved and as a result had a positive impact on this man's life. Our Lord set a great example for us. Secondly, I think sometimes we are placed in a position to help someone. And we might have the ability, the means to. But do we have the willingness is more the question. See, sometimes we're put in these positions of power, positions of influence, and others are looking to us for answers, to provide hope, to give them a, a foothold, if you will, an opportunity. And we can be more concerned about our own interests, about our own feelings, about our own image and reputation, like being accused of nepotism, for instance. And we can be more concerned about those things than about offering a helping, benevolent hand. 
You know, Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, verse 9, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. You know, for you never know when the shoe will be on the other foot. You'll never know when it will be our turn, when we are in a position that we need somebody to, to reach out and to lend a hand or to open a door, to point us in a direction. And so he says, while we have the opportunity, while we have our own means and we have, we have it in a, we're in a better place, then use what we have to give to others, to serve to others, and to make friends with our worldly wealth. As we look at this passage here, we see that Jesus, our Lord, has a willing spirit. He has a willing spirit. And he showed that willing spirit to this leper. And look how the man responded. I mean, even though he was ordered to not only show himself to the priest, as was the law, um, but not to tell anyone, the news about Jesus spread even more. Because when you have good news, you can't help but share it. You know, I think there's an example here in how evangelism works. You know, when, when God has done good in your life, when you are grateful because he's shown you grace and you're impacted, you can't help but to spread the good news about him and tell others about his goodness. For those of us who are still searching, serving God involves change. You know, you learn to treat people in different ways, in godly ways. It involves caring about others a little more than you do about caring about yourself. It involves putting aside selfishness and self-preservation um, and uh, pursuing our own interests. And it involves caring about others, treating people with dignity, showing the love of Jesus, caring about our fellow man. And this is what we see our Lord Jesus displaying here. Let's read on as we look at Luke chapter 5 from verse 17 all the way to verse 26. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to uh, take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles from the middle of, uh, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and said and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart, hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, 
we have seen remarkable things today. So on another occasion, Jesus was teaching and the room was full, bursting at the seams as the word um, spread about him. Now, Pharisees and teachers of the law were there taking up space, coming from as far away as Jerusalem to judge. And good, good people outside and can't get in. Hmm. My goodness. Now, Jesus noticed the faith of this paralytic man and his group of friends. For they wanted their friend healed. They believed that Jesus had the power to do it. And they were not going to allow the crowd to block them from getting the help that they need. The help for their friend. So they went on the roof and lowered him through the roof before Jesus right in front of everybody's eyes. Now, the houses generally in Palestine and in that region were typically built with a flat roof, with an outside staircase um, leading up to the roof. The roof itself was made up of um, a thick layer of clay supported by mats of um, branches laid across um, wood beams. Now, these friends dug away enough of the clay to be able to let their friend down through the roof onto the floor right in front of Jesus. So Jesus saw their effort to persevere through the obstacles to get their friend to him, motivated by their faith in Jesus. And he blessed their desire and forgave the man of his sins and healed him miraculously so that he could walk again. In fact, Jesus called him friend. You know, Jesus supports and blesses our acts of faith in him. And those who put their unwavering faith in him, he considers them as friends. And Jesus does not disappoint his friends. Amen. So recently, Sharon and I received our highest electricity bill that we've ever had from the power company. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to pay this bill. How are we going to you know, move around our money, um, figure out space in our budget to be able to cover this bill. And while we're doing that, I receive a call from a longtime friend. And, you know, in carrying on a conversation, I realized that he was going through a difficult time. Um, meeting just some basic needs were very difficult for him. Um, and then he, you know, just asked for some help to be able to uh, provide even just groceries for himself and his children. Um, our hearts went out to him. I spoke to my wife to try to figure it out. And in the midst of figuring that out, um, you know, he sent me a message to ask for just some money to help him to meet some immediate needs that he was having. Um, on one hand, we had this bill to pay that was exorbitant. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to meet that bill. And we know how the power company works, right? As, as long as the bill is overdue, then they're ready to cut the electricity. And on the other hand, my friend has this need. We decided to put the bill aside, trust God with it, and to provide for the, the physical um, need that my friend was having. We went to the bank, deposited the money um, that he asked for help, uh, put the groceries together, put it on 
um, the, for the courier system to send it from Montego Bay to Kingston, pay for that, and we got it off. And, you know, we were feeling the encouragement that comes from serving, from giving. For scripture teaches that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we were being washed with this blessing. And by the time we got home and settled down, I got a text from a friend overseas that said evening. And he said, you know, I know that has been hard sometimes. Want to let you know that you're on our hearts. I've been thinking about you. And with that message attached to it was a copy of a receipt that he had sent some money to one of the, through one of those remittance services. And when I checked the receipt, the money that he was sent was at least three times the amount of money that we had to spend to help my friend here in Jamaica. Now, isn't our God amazing? Incredible that Jesus is faithful as a friend, that he would not only um, meet our needs, not sometime down the line, weeks down the line, but that said evening that we would get this help. Amazing, wonderful, that Jesus blesses our acts of faith in him, that he treats us when we put our faith in him as friends. Through that one event, so many have been blessed. My friend here was blessed as we met his physical needs. His children was blessed. Uh, we were blessed when we got the en encouragement. And then, you know, uh, my friend was blessed as he gave us um, uh, so to supply our needs. And then now you are being blessed as I share this testimony with you. Our God is awesome. Another thing that we see from this passage is that sins are forgiven when we come to Jesus wholeheartedly. It reminds me of Mr. Franklin Norman. You know, in 2019, Craig Norman, who's a Jamaican, uh, who's now living in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, in the United States, was concerned about his dad who, was re who had recently fallen ill. And, you know, he initiated a Bible study with his dad to try to help his dad because he was concerned whether or not his dad would make it. And he reached out to, to ask if we could get in there with his dad to help him. We spent the time and we studied with him over, over some weeks. And um, Mr. Norman was convicted. He wanted to change. He wanted to be united with Christ, was ready to become a Christian. Craig came down. Um, we the brothers got together and you know Mr. Norman by this time really lost full use of his legs he was in a wheelchair we got him to the waters of baptism at the sea we had to lift him out of the wheelchair and take him on his mat if you will to Jesus we had to take him on his sheet to lower him into the water to baptize him and to lift him back out lift him in his wheelchair to take him home Craig was excited. We were happy. Mr. Norman was happy. His family members were happy. And, um, you know, God's name was glorified. But I can tell you that one week later, on Valentine's Day, Mr. Norman passed away. And what was incredible about that, um, that you know, his middle name was Valentine as well. And we were certain that he connected with Christ because he... Uh, uh, gave himself to God wholeheartedly. His sins were forgiven and he made it in 
before his appointed day of calling. You know, Jesus provides forgiveness of sins when we come to him wholeheartedly. Forgiveness, friends, awaits you too if you would come to Jesus wholeheartedly. Let us continue to read uh, Luke chapter, chapter 5 from verse 27 to 39. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants a new, for they say the old is better. So we see here, uh, Jesus went and called this tax collector named Levi to follow him and to become one of his disciples. Now, as a tax collector, Levi had a lucrative job that very likely made him a lot of money. But it was a lonely position to be in. You see, the tax collectors collected tax for the Roman Empire. The Romans had colonized, if you will, the people of Israel. And they were um, subjected to them. And so when one of their own citizens worked for the Romans, collecting tax to, to pay um, these infidels, if you will, then it, such persons were not liked very much, not had many friends. They were considered as vermin. And so Levi was in this place. When Jesus called him, Levi responded eagerly and with gratitude. And he would later be named Matthew one of Jesus' trusted disciples who would later write the Gospel of Matthew. You never know what somebody might become if just given the chance. Levi was so grateful that he threw a banquet at his house in Jesus' honor. And Levi invited a bunch of his co-workers and friends. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were not ha very happy about it. Because they were more concerned about appearances and judging the people. So they judged Jesus and his disciples. 
Now, when you look at this passage, look at the people who Jesus associated with. And for what purpose? And what does that say about our God? It was intentional. Jesus was intentional about his friendships. In fact, he says in verse 31 and 32, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus drew close, um, close to these guys who were considered sinners because his intention was to provide salvation for them, to provide an opportunity for them to remove and to be, be moved from their sick state to becoming um, saved by God, to provide spiritual help for them. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to verse 8, let's read this passage. You see, at just the right time, when we're still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. This is at the heart of God. He cares about our spiritual condition. And so Jesus cares about where we're at. God would care to allow Jesus to come, to reach out to us sinners, to bring us into a relationship with him. Jesus, while he walked the earth, cared about the condition of mankind. And so he reached out to Levi and he reached out to those who were considered unworthy. Let's take note also that the sinners never felt uncomfortable around Jesus. They were just eating and drinking and having a good time. For Jesus never treated them with, you know, any way that was untowards. He never made them felt um uncomfortable, unappreciated, um, Jesus gave himself to them as he set out to inspire them towards change. It was the so-called righteous Pharisees who had a problem with him. No wonder they were left out of the kingdom of God. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. Jesus wasn't reforming Judaism, which was the religion of the day among the Jews. Just as Jesus is not trying to reform us today, he's not trying to get us to tweak our religion, but rather we must become new to receive his teachings and to allow it to age and develop in us so that we will become spiritually mature, godly men and godly women. So in conclusion, let us recall who Jesus associated with and treated as friends. We see the outcasts and rejects, as we see um, in the leper. We see those who are distressed and oppressed, the downtrodden, who must push through um, countless obstacles, as we see in the paralytic. We also see the unworthy and the sinners like we see in Levi. One thing that they all had in common was the faith to come to Jesus, 
wholeheartedly and to respond to his mercy and grace with absolute gratitude. Does this group look familiar to you? Do you recognize yourself as one of them? Have you made Jesus your friend as yet? And do you have the faith to continue to walk as he did? And so I pray that this morning, God's word, the encouragement from his scriptures and the example set by our Lord Jesus would inspire us and encourage us to uh, live like he did, to um, have foster the kind of relationships he did, to learn to love like he did, to be the kind of friend that Jesus is. And I pray that God will be with us all as we continue on this journey. Amen. Let us pray for the communion. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your love and your mercies and your grace. And we thank you, Father, that you reached out to us while we're sinners. You will allow Jesus Christ to come and to die to set us free. We thank Jesus for his love for you, mankind, that he will, would have come and, and set such great examples of being the kind of friend that inspire us all. I pray that, um, Jesus, as we partake of the communion, that you'll continue to bless our hearts and help us to walk faithfully before you, faithfully with you, continuing the light as you've called us to be in the light. We love you. We're grateful for the communion. And in Jesus' holy, precious, and wonderful name that we pray. Amen.